This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts, selling classic and clearance lines from product with products from £5 upwards. Um, something from everyone something for everyone in in the website and, and their stores as well, the physical stores in Manchester and London. Have a look at the um, I know that I plug this with an advertisement at the start of every episode, but do have a look at the website. It's amazing, the stuff that they've got. Obviously, all the vintage United stuff, but then you can go back like to the 80s where they've got brand-new classic shirts um, from the time, um, not reproductions. And also, sometimes they have prototypes, like the green and gold shirt. They've got the original design that that was based on. They, I mean, those can be quite pricey, but you can get a 10% discount with TOTD10 um, I'm Wayne Barton, your host um, apologies for that muddled introduction um, but I'm not going to redo it because it's one of those kind of Mondays um, <laughs> I'm joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker how are you doing Paul? I'm fine, thank you Wayne good stuff um, and a good week for United um, we don't often have the opportunity to talk about two wins but United have, have provided that Um on a little good run at the moment. Um, let's start with the game at Istanbul last weekend. Uh, last week, the um, game at Old Trafford against Istanbul, I should say. Clearly, what we saw from the first game is that they're not a team to just lay down, and they shouldn't be a team we should take for granted. So there was a game to be won. 
you look at it as a 4-1 win and United, you know everyone's saying oh that was United doing what they should have done but they had to do it and we didn't do it in Istanbul so they had to sort of stand up and take responsibility for that at Old Trafford and they did one in style very good first half um, a flat second but for me when you've played that well in the first half a flat second doesn't really matter because you're controlling the game when you've won it um, as comprehensively as we did the best moment obviously being that fabulous uh, Bruno goal to open the scoring um, like I said, a flat second off. Apart from Dan James, who came on and he had a couple of good moments. One where he skinned the fullback and then another where he scored. Um, you said business as usual. Business is what you'd come to expect from Manchester United historically, but um, it's good to see a performance like that, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, they they needed something like that. And going back to where you started from, yes, it was expected. And yes, they should have been doing that when there was an Istanbul rather than actually the, the way they lost was, was kind of embarrassment because of the goals they conceded but when you play against those sides you expected to beat them and you expected to beat them well when they did beat them well and couldn't really have done any more than what was asked of them really but I think we I think we will get we'll get around to it but I think for Manchester United at this moment in time team selection is key sounds strange to say that because everyone believes, well, of course it's key. It's the, it's the main thing about winning games of football. But for Manchester United and Oli Gunnar, he's now, he has to look at things now himself. And as I said before, can't show any more sentiment to people. He's going to have to play the players who are going to win in games of football. And I think we've seen that over the last two games. Um, players who are now very, very important to Manchester United at this moment in time. They could actually maybe make make things happen that are going to surprise a lot of people. We've seen that just on their past two performances. Yeah, you, we've talked a lot about Van der Beek and he played in a holding, not a holding, he played in midfield too against Istanbul and obviously we'll talk about the, the weekend but We've also talked about these European games, Paul, as not games where, yeah, obviously he's going to rotate the squad, but also at the same time, he has to use those games to find a plan A, and that's what we were talking about last week, because obviously in the back line you've got Twan Zabi chomping at the bit to come in, Tellez has obviously come in and made a little bit of a difference from set pieces, you've got in the midfield, obviously we're still working that out, and we'll talk about Southampton in a moment, in the front line you've also got Cavani who's coming in and again we'll talk about him in him in a moment but when you look at um, the composition of the squad and the fact that you've got like the likes of, sort of Paul Pogba who's out and you don't know when he's going to come back in it is very much the case and I do want to remind people of this Paul is that Oli has been in the job for um, he's been in the job for 18 months to two well almost two years now but having done so well in sort of building a plan A, that plan A is not applicable anymore. So he is having to build a new plan A at the same time as reconfiguring that plan B as well. So do you think that perhaps... Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that people should be more patient with that. Maybe that's a problem with the manager, but that is the fact of where we are at the moment, isn't it? He's still trying to f- figure out what the best United side is. Yeah, I think I think he I think I'm going to use I'm going to come out and say I think he was I think he he's got a better idea now over his last two games and I think especially from yesterday I was I was working on a game I was doing the radio for the game yesterday and I said 15 I know this 15 minutes into the game I said if United get through this 
first half, not being behind, I turned around and said, is that he's got to make a big decision at half-time and he's got to bring on Cavani and then he's got to make his mind up who he's going to take off. I said to him, if I'm going to, I turned around and said, if they're going to take anyone off, they have to take, them, take off Mason Greenwood because he's running around and at the moment in time, he's, he's playing the game in another planet and it's not a good planet. Yeah. He wasn't. He was there, and he was running around. And I don't think he knew where he was. I think he was. I think he was looking for seagulls. To be perfectly honest, because he wasn't in the. He wasn't in the game. Rashford was. I don't know what Rashford was doing. To be perfectly honest, I mean, Marcus Rashford when he shows his pace, change of pace, and he beats someone so easy. The one thing, the biggest, the biggest disappointment of his game is his um, decision making. He runs in the cul-de-sac, taking five players with him. You know, when you want him to pass, he runs with the ball. Um, there was an opportunity for him to take on a shot yesterday. Should have taken the shot and he tried to pass it to Fred and Fred had already ran into an offside yeah. position yeah. when he should have shot, should have gone first time. Fernandes would have hit that first time. I'm sure Van der Beek would have hit that first time a goal. Keeper couldn't see it. The keeper movement was to the right to see the ball. He goes yeah. to the left and the keeper doesn't get there. This is me saying it as a non-goal scorer, but me saying that he had to, he had to be selfish here and take it on himself. So, so in that part of things, I'd have to say is that he knows himself now. Manchester United have a proper centre-forward within that club. He is, we have to say, call him a world-class centre-forward. Why it's taken this long for him to actually have to prove himself, I don't know. I really don't know. But it'd be an embarrassment for me now if I don't see him starting starting the next Premier League game. Champions League game, OK. He might have another. But I'm saying Manchester United still have got a chance, especially how this league's going, to finish in a really good position in this league as long as he selects the right formation with the right players. Yeah. We'll get on to Southampton in a moment. Just to finish um, a couple of points on, on the midweek, um, Dan James, I'm not going to start saying oh, he's going to be the answer to the wing problem, but he, he's starting to look like he could be, his confidence is good enough to be that backup, you know, to come on to come on and, and maybe take advantage, uh, take advantage in seeing um Sort of tiring defences. I mean, he did well to take on the fullback just before he scored, and then scoring as well. Um, and that's really the option that we should be expecting from him if he's sticking around, isn't it? So it was nice to see that he, he played with a little bit of confidence. Yeah, but I think the, I mean the way the game was, it suited him to come on. Yeah. As we've seen already, when it comes to the bigger games, he's still a problem. He really, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, gone missing, Wayne. But the problem is, he actually doesn't even come out to go missing in the yeah. big games so there's still a way to go decision making is another one with him the, the way he is so there is still a long way in his education this moment in time for him to go and at this moment when we look at Manchester United we say that they're still not right in wide areas St- still I, I don't know I mean we can talk about I mean we try to to make the Martial the Greenwood and the Rashford kept talking about them being similar to what they had at Liverpool and they're nowhere near, nowhere near. So in wide areas, Manchester United are still still not sure, still not sure what what is the best, what, what, how can you get the best out of a Manchester United front line? What is the best Manchester United front line? I, I can guarantee you one player, 
who should be playing regularly in that front three. But the other two spaces, I really don't know because there is no consistency from those other players. Yeah. Um, if United win, or well, United do need to win at least one of their last two group games in the Champions League, or, or at least get a draw against PSG. I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure that if we draw against PSG, they can't go above us, no matter how much they win by in the last game, if they do, because our head-to-head will be better. So um, it makes this week's game pretty gr- crucial, doesn't it, really, in terms of qualification. It'd be it'd be good to get a really positive result. I mean, it would anyway, but good to do that and have sort of next week as a sort of more relaxed encounter. I just think it's just Manchester United have just got to keep on winning winning games to be honest wins will bring out the will bring out the best in players and, that, and namely confidence more than anything um, if you look at that first half yesterday if that had been for 90 minutes then we'd be here talking maybe in a in a different way to what we are talking now yeah. after that first 45 minutes so that's a difference uh, performances can make such a difference to everybody's thinking yes results results make a difference but performances are the ones that people look at and we have to say at the moment United when they go into you know, the game against PSG will be you know in good nick at this moment in time the way they are but then they have to go out and it's another big game and United seem to enjoy big games against the big sides when they when maybe the, everything's against them PSG are struggling at this moment then you know they're not exactly peaking at this moment so they need a performance they need, they need a result as well they can't afford to lose the game so it tells you this, this could be a really really good game Neymar is going to have to do something he's going to have to maybe don't know maybe stop crying and try and play football and let people try and Understand why he's why he's trying to push himself as one of the top players in the world. If if they're going to be PSG become anything, they need him to perform. They need all these big name players, these players who are on big wages to actually play as a team. And that's where you can find them vulnerable, PSG, because they're not a team. They're a team full of individuals. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one. And like you said, I think for that point that you're making about them being a team of individuals, which I definitely agree with, is that it's difficult to call because United are pretty much the same at the moment. So it's, I know that they, you know, Ollie's trying to build a unit, so we'll see how that goes this week. Um, going to be an interesting one. But let's talk about yesterday then, Paul. Um, one of those games where, and you mentioned it a couple of times about a game of twofs, and it really was, but I still... When I look at it, yeah, you do have to watch the 90 minutes to evaluate the the game. It's easy to pick apart what went wrong in the first half and say this or that about the formation. I still felt in the first half, apart from those two chances, and there was a period after the first goal where United were rocking a little bit, apart from that, United controlled the game, and they probably didn't deserve to be 2-0 down. The nature of the win is, is one of those that's made for fans because, you know, obviously it would have been great for the fans to be there, but there was no panic about it. Even in the last couple of minutes when United were... And maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, maybe if there's a bit more urgency, you get a bit more excited about it. But they scored the last goal, the winner. And it was like, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I celebrated um, the, like we scored a last-minute winner. But the way, if you watch it back, it just looks calm and it looks about as comfortable the comeback from 2-0 down to winning the last minute as I've ever seen. And it, it's an interesting one because, I mean, if you look at the first half, you could pick holes in the defence 
and said that you know they should be beaten at the near post from a corner and, and De Gea should have done a little bit better. Although again, you have to give a lot of credit to Ward Prowse, who's one of the best set piece takers in the league. Um, and then United's finishing in the first half, like you've said before, was so bad. I mean, Greenwood could have done better on a couple of occasions. Um, you had Fernandez who could have done better when the, the goalkeeper made a mess of it. Um, we'll talk about Cavani and his contribution in a second, but the game overall, Paul, um, 3-2. Um, a strange game. I wouldn't say that United went flat for broke in the second half, but I still think that they deserve to win the game. Um, what, what did you make of it? Yeah, I would say in that sense, yes. Southampton, in theory, we have to say, died in the second half. They didn't know how to take the game on second mm. half. They was just sitting there and just hoping that the game would would go into would just would just die, and then United would just stop. And they allowed United to get some momentum up. And to be perfectly honest, they had to work hard to get momentum because it wasn't coming through the middle. It was coming, any momentum was being gained by Fernandes and Van der Beek. They were having to drop deep to virtually go and get the ball away from the centre-half because too many touches, I keep saying it, there's too many touches in that back line. And United, every time they caused Southampton problems was when they lift the tempo. And you could see Southampton, they've got two lumbering centre-halves. They can't move. They've got no great pace in that back line. Yeah. Um, Walker Peters is kind of, you know, impetuous and runs about, but not not the best um, of defenders. Um, Ryan Bart- Bertrand is one of those lads you thought was going to be a, a, you know, looked like he was just going to become one of those players who was going to be a guaranteed starting left back for England. And just really, I think he's sitting back on the fact of a Champions League medal he won by default for Chelsea. Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't shifted on at all. He seems quite content, just plays within himself. So they they just lost it. And every time they showed any tempo, something happened. But it was the same players who had to go and affect it. Other players are not taking part when it comes to United lifting their game. So they've got themselves back into the game very, very well. But the goals, I was working with someone yesterday, um, and he is a mad Manchester United fan I've known him a long long time mad and I'm working with him and he was very um, not complimentary about um, David De Gea and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at that foot, the goal near post header and first and foremost as you mentioned Ward Prowse I don't think there's anybody who can consistently hit a spot like he does his corners yesterday were incredible Yeah, absolutely so dangerous and I saw that and it was clarified for me when I saw Dean Henderson and how he was and how he positioned himself and how he didn't even try and even attempt to come over the players to try and get them because there was so much pace and the height it was coming in. He was virtually, most people trying just to chip it and get a lot of air in it. So keepers, it's in the air quite a bit of time, allows the keeper to get across. He doesn't do that. He gets the right amount of height, height with incredible pace. Keepers cannot go out and attack it because any skim off any player and it's going past them. And that's why that header went in. So David De Gea, I don't think, no one can hold him for that. I won't have that at all. And for the free kick, um, again, 
the person I was working with was, you know, questioning David De Gea because the ball went in. Again, they keep going at the near post. Oh, he got his hand to it. Yeah, he got his hand to it. The problem was the ball was in a net when he got his hand to it. Oh, he should have had a stronger wrist. Well, he couldn't because the ball was in a net and the ball was behind him. So he couldn't do it. I'm turning around and saying, Ronaldo scores that free kick. We don't even... Ronaldo or Beckham, no one talks about the goalkeeper. Everyone talks about how great a free kick it was. And that's the difference of... Of, of Manchester United when they score free kick like that like that the individual is a great free kick taker when they concede a free kick the goalkeeper's at fault yeah. at this well, moment in time it did look a little bit I mean I, I, I agree with you it looked bad but I think it looks bad because it's it, it looks like he's clumsy because it's supposed but he's not that's desperation to try and get the ball and he was close to getting it and it was yeah. a brilliant free kick he was without, without that the low trajectory of the ball the pace from you think about what is he a yard outside the box yeah. to get it like that with that much pace you see players do it and they loop it and then the keeper says it we go oh what a great save you couldn't get anywhere near that even the pace that was on that as well is absolutely incredible but it all stemmed from a shocking challenge from Fred mm, yeah. shocking challenge trying to win the ball from behind when the player is running towards two players already yeah. it was, he wasn't as if he's running clean through there's players in front of him and people are still challenging from behind I, I really I, I don't know I, I think if I saw things of myself and I was doing it I'd have to eat humble pie and call myself a hypocrite but I'm still not getting it in today's football knowing that how difficult it is to make a challenge because referees just want to give fouls and book you for it and then you, you're making a challenge from behind trying to stay on your feet it doesn't make any sense at all to me why you would do that especially when the player is running in towards two of your teammates so it was a sloppy free kick to give away do you, do you think um, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm being too critical here but do you think um, because of the way that United have been conceding goals and I get why we've got to sort of play Fred and Matic in, in games like that do you think that that's two players for one position because of the qualities that they've each got? You know, if they if you could find a midfielder, and, and I'm not saying that they don't exist, there's plenty of them, like Kante for one. Um, I know I'm picking an extreme example, but if you pick a player with, it, it seems like you've got two players to do one job, basically, Matic and Fred. Yeah, I, I know where you're going. I, I think for, every time United lifted the tempo of that game, Fred become effective. Because I think from when he played at Shakhtar, Shakhtar were a high-tempo team. Mm. And you remember, Wayne, the way they were. In, those, in, those, in the group stages, the group stages of Champions League, they, they caused so many upsets. They were incredible. But they never could get beyond that, that knockout stage because the way their seasons were, the players just weren't tuned in well enough for that, that given time. But incredible, some of their performances, the way they played. The players who played for them and moved on, but they played high-tempo. He is a high-tempo player because that allows him to do things quickly it lessens the time of him having to think he's instinctive when he plays high tempo and you go wow yes then all the time he, then the game slows down and you're giving him more time it's a bit like um wan pasaka wan pasaka all you want him to do is control pass move modern day viv anderson everything about him the long legs viv anderson once he gets once he gets rolling you're not going to catch him you want him to control it pass it 
make a new position, receive it, bang. But he, he gets it and he tries to have a touch, have a touch. He tries to dribble. You don't really want him dribbling because he looks horrible when he dribbles. It's like John's, John Cleese trying to dribble the football. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a good look. Not pretty on the eye. So you just want him to look at his strengths. And his strength is he's... Once he gets rolling, no one's going to catch him because he's got those long strides and he can quicken them up. So just control it, give it to somebody, lend it to him and make a new position, but he doesn't want to do that. So there's two players there which kind of hold up the play sometimes. So I'm gonna, I reckon that, and again I'm going to say this, Manchester United are in a great but bad position as a club at this moment in time. They've got the perfect player there to change it. The problem is that perfect player isn't really a perfect person, and that's Paul Pogba. If he was right in his head and you you could trust him to, to really go out there and not to be selfish and, you know, to, be, to play for his teammates, you could take out Fred or Matic and he could go and join Fernandes and van der Beek. Then when you look at it on paper, those three playing together... That's, that's a top quality European midfield. Yeah, it should ev- be. Yeah. It should be yeah. on everything. But the problem is you've got someone in there and you're not sure what you're going to get. With Fred and Matic, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And anything you get on top of that, you would, you would be, you'd sing so many praises if you can get more than that. But, but you know you're going to get a minimum of six and a half out of ten out of those two. But yeah. with Pogba... You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if he's going to give away a penalty. Yeah, well, yeah. And, we, yeah, it was a joke made by Paddy, wasn't it, on one of the previous pods that he's, he's given more penalties away than assists um, this mm. season, which is um, probably right. Um, in, like You mentioned Wan-Bissaka there, and um, I think he, he had a, a decent contribution when um, for, for the first goal for United. So... Let's talk about the fact that it's Edinson, Edinson Cavani comes on. It changes the game. He's absolutely brilliant when he comes on. Um, not just the goals, but the movement, the way that he holds the line for the you know for the run for Wambasaka's pass through. Um, but the, the feature for me is yeah, you've got Cavani who's class and he makes this difference, and you've got Fernandez who's class and he makes this difference. But it, it looks so simple when they do it. It's it's so uncomplicated, isn't it, Paul? I think that was the beauty in what. Um, Obviously, Fernandez gets the ball out of his feet, scores. It's a simple cross from Cavani in the end, and then his headers. Um, oh, obviously, great positioning, but you just couldn't see Rashford or Martial scoring them, even though it looks fairly simple with the way that they're taken. But I think that's one when you see good players. That's the difference of having someone with true international pedigree, isn't it? That, that they can make those things look easy. Yeah, yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the bit you can see. It's that easy, and it is easy with someone like Fernandes. The way he plays the game, it does make it easy. The difference is as well that he's willing to try those difficult ones as well. Those match-winning passes, he's willing to try them. That's the bravery on his part. And if it doesn't work out, then he'll then he'll try it again. The one thing about him as well, he will let he will let players know as well if they're not if they're not doing something. You know, you can see the way he plays and. He, he's a player who doesn't need an armband to lead people it doesn't make any difference to him you you see the way he projects himself on the pitch and then you see him his post-match um, interviews after and he talks like somebody who actually leads a team mm. 
You know, he's, there's nothing on there. There's no cliches or anything. Everything from his heart. He knows it. And he's absolutely, you know, he's, he's been perfection and everything's shown. I'm not a stats person, but when you watch someone week in, week out, and then obviously then people throw out stats, you relate to it. You go, yeah, because I've, I've watched him for 90 minutes. They're all sizes up. But a lot of people just see stats and they make their opinions off of that. You need to watch somebody and watch them, what they do week in, week out, when they're not having a good game. What's he like when he doesn't have a good game? He's still working hard. He's still trying to close down. He's not sulking because he's not playing well. The one he's making it, what he's doing though, he's making it very, very difficult for the people he's playing against though. Mm. And again, I throw out the name of another player who's no different, different position, Mark Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just with Cavani in particular. Um, I think for me, when you watch Rashford and you watch Martial. You always feel like they, you are. I, I'm not. I'm not criticising this because sometimes it's a really good thing to watch. But you can see what motors through their head. You can see them thinking of the idea, coming up with the idea, executing the idea, and then we'll see whether or not it works. And it's all right having one player like that in your team because that can be a difference. But when you've got two players like that, because you've got Rashford and Martial who are quite similar in that regard it can be too much you know you see Rashford um, yesterday and, and I know Martial wasn't playing so it's hard to sort of throw that one against him but Martial uh, sort of Rashford yesterday um, you do worry a little bit that um, it's over complicating it sometimes you mentioned there he's He's playing the ball through to Fred because he thinks that that's the better thing when the instinct... You know, you mentioned Cavani's instinct as well, so if Cavani gets that ball, he's shooting first time as well. And I think, if you remember a couple of years ago, remember when Ibrahimovic was first signed and everyone was saying, oh, you're going to stunt the development of Rashford and Martial, and perhaps that was true, but you also saw the difference of having a true class-quality striker in there. They made the argument again with Lukaku, but Lukaku wasn't on the same level as Cavani or Ibrahimovic. So you see Cavani come in, and yeah, he's 33, and yeah, he's had a couple of injuries, but he's fit. He's, his instinct is like no other striker that we've got. And that was the difference last season, wasn't it, Paul? When we saw Greenwood come into the team, and Greenwood sort of he played with that kind of instinct, didn't he? he that Cavani showed. Now, I'm not saying that he has the experience now because he obviously doesn't, and he was sort of. You've noticed that in the last few games. I think against um, against Istanbul, Cavani was getting frustrated, wasn't he? With um, he was getting frustrated with Greenwood a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, it's just the difference in which. Um, Cavani's making at the moment, Paul. That when he's on the pitch, you see someone with proper international class in terms of his positioning, his unfussy style of unfussy style of finishing. Which, um, if what I'm trying to say is those quality, that quality of chance is there every week. It's there for Martial, it's there for Rashford, it's there for Greenwood. So to see someone get into those positions and take those chances with such little complication he's just walked into that first team position he's got to be the starting middle striker hasn't he oh without a doubt and I think every United fan is going to come out and say that I mean I don't know who these people who come out and oh he's um, talking about Ibrahimovic he's going to stunt the growth and whatever I think they're 
I'm going to call them again these new age fans and it isn't you can have these young players but these young players as, as much as when they come in they do really well sometimes they have to sit back and watch mm. They can't just keep... They can train and, yeah, they can... But they have to sit back and watch sometime. And I, I just believe that Mason Greenwood's everything was rushed too much. And again, I'm going to say it, I blame Gareth Southgate. Yeah. I blame Ollie in a certain way. Ollie should have said to Southgate, don't pick him. Yeah. Let him play. Pick him for the under-21s because he's had no under-21s football. Play him and he, let him play the under-21s. He, he's not ready. He's not nowhere near ready for this. Look how many games. See how many games Foden had for Manchester United before he got an England cap. For City, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look at look how many games he, he was involved in, appearances he made before he got an England cap. And he had Mason Greenwood was nowhere near that yet. He's get he's getting he's getting picked for England. It was the, it was the terrible. It was poor management on um, Southgate's side of it and it was definitely poor on Ollie to allow that to happen all he had to just turn around and say appreciate that but for my player in, his long, in the long term which is the most important thing please don't pick him at this moment in time and it most probably would never have happened yeah, yeah. I'm, you know I'm just quite sure that Sir Alex would never have allowed that to happen with, with the way things were going in his career at that given time it would, he would have seen it as too early maybe because he might have known the lad's personality and too early for him he, he's not going to embrace it maybe in the right way that he should and I think we're looking at the situation that's exactly what it was it was a wrong decision because he didn't embrace it in the right way yeah and now it turns it into this different conversation where you're sort of saying oh well you're putting Cavani in because Greenwood's not playing well and it's not fair to put that pressure on Greenwood because he's still growing and it's not a matter of formal selection Greenwood should be the backup choice shouldn't he do you know what I mean but people have reframed that argument into saying oh well you've got to drop Greenwood and play Cavani and that's not fair on Greenwood is it no, not at all. Not at all. But it's not about dropping him. It's about it's about it's about leaving him. It's about leaving him out. It's a, it's about leaving him leaving him not leaving him out. It's just about it's just about choices at this moment in time and about the indiv- about the individual yeah. and the in, and the individual at this moment in time is not is not ready for it. Mason Greenwood. He's not ready for it. He's had his little. Certain players need to play young players it's the way they are you just see it and it's about sensing it I think Mason Greenwood given everything that's going on I don't know but I think he might need a, he might need a breather yeah. I don't he's, he's tried to bring him on a sub he's tried to start him I'm not seeing a buzz I'm not seeing anybody who wants to go and show everybody you know that he's you know he's made a mistake or I really I'm, I want to be here to stay I'm not seeing that from him at all and people say oh but he's young you're only young for a little while in football because as we want to keep calling Cavani old at 33 which is ridiculous if we're saying that then Mason Greenwood as he's moving on he's getting more and more mature he's been around that first team squad for quite a while now okay not played a lot of games but he's been around that for quite a while we can't keep giving him the excuses excuse that he's young gonna have to look at it now he's with one of the biggest sides and clubs in the world and he's a regular member of that squad somewhere along the line he has to grow up very quickly and you have to do that as a young player you've seen all of them before ryan giggs did it did it got into it straight away he did it when you look at all all of those players all come through grew up very very quickly because they knew they had to because of the football that they were involved in Mason Greenwood has to do that otherwise 
you know, got to be careful. Something so good could disappear so quickly. Yeah. Well, when he played against Istanbul, and you know, there was that moment where he should have squared it, and Cavani was a little bit cross about it. I think that's the the point of it, the principle of what we're trying to say is that he, Greenwood now is, is in this situation where he's thinking he's got to make these, he's got to state his case to be to be selected, and that's not the case with Greenwood. Greenwood is young; he should be used as an impact player, and it's not good to watch him under that kind of pressure. But someone, I'm sure Ollie's doing it, or someone at the club is just saying to him, you know what, take it a bit easier, take your foot off the gas. You don't need to have this kind of pressure on yourself. Because it's not there, you're still going to get your chances. They've put the number 11 shirt on him. He's obviously an investment for the long term. He doesn't have to do everything in, in 20 minutes against Istanbul. Um, but Cavani has got to start, and that means that there's going to be two places at either side of him. So who, who do you go with that? I mean, at the moment, it looks like Rashford from the right and, and Martial from the left is, is the obvious cho- choice, but it's not so obvious, is it? Really? No, it's... it's Honestly, it'll, it'll throw up a massive debate. This is, you know, a debate at this moment in time because when we talk about the three of them, Greenwood, Martial and Rashford, they've all been so inconsistent, so inconsistent. All three, I, I really couldn't tell you. There's only one guarantee already. Cavani has to start, you know, when, when United are looking... You know, talking about their best eleven, he's in the best eleven as the centre forward. Martial and Rashford and Greenwood, I really don't know. I think it's one of them you throw up and you hope that they're tuned in. I just think they're at a the moment in time. If you're Ollie, and you're sitting there and you you're looking around the dressing room before the game, I think that if you look at those three, that if they were starting the game for you, they'd be worrying. You couldn't put your hand on your heart and say, I know that he's going to do it for me. I really, I really don't. I really don't believe that Ollie can actually say that in him, in himself about one, about those three. I just, I, I, I just don't get that vibe from him. And yes, they have their moments, but the problem is they're only moments. There's no consistency. And there I say again, I look at what Liverpool got as a front three, and I look what they've got as a now what they they've got somebody's putting that front three under pressure already in Jota. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the sign, maybe the signing of the season. By the way, for that kind of money, look at what they've got already. Blimey, no, nowhere near that at Manchester United. They've only got one in Cavani who could threaten, maybe threaten to get into that, into that, you know, that pack of four yeah. at Liverpool. Because you see, what, you know, they're not consistent enough. There's nowhere when Marnie's having a bad game, when he's making mistakes, he gives away fouls, doesn't he? against fullbacks, he blocks them off, he, he tries hard, he whinges, he moans, he gets things. I don't see that. You look on the other side, the other side with Salah, he's a constant, every time that ball gets in the box, he's, the, the reputations he's built, defenders are under pressure. Yeah. He, you know, it's just under pressure every time. You look at it, you think, cool, Salah Mane's having a bad, bad game. The moment that ball gets into that final third, and even more so, into that box, and it's at the feet of one of those two, Everybody who doesn't want it to go Liverpool way goes, oh no, here's, here, here's something that might happen now. Defenders are on the back foot because they're scared to make a challenge. If they do make a, ch- a challenge, they think, oh no, it could be a penalty. And that's, that's, what, they've, that's what they've got already. United haven't got that. You don't get those players in the box. They don't, they don't stay wide on the touchline. Salah and Mane start on touchlines. Yeah, well... So, Go on, sorry, man. Just saying, Cavani's input—it's not been as emphatic as Jota's, but it 
might have the he's going to have to have the galvanising effect on the other players because obviously there's now fewer places in the team well theoretically there should be fewer places in the first team they've got to be scrapping it out for, for two as opposed to just saying they're the three um, so yeah it's going to be interesting to see um, how that one like we said problems not problems so much but they yeah, I guess they, they are really on, on their for yeah. um all over the pitch in terms of establishing that new plan A um, but there are signs that it could be positive um, there's enough quality in that team to say alright yeah okay they're not going to challenge for a title although who says um, anything definitive in this season is, um, well Wayne that's, that's what I was kind of alluding to I, I, feel, I look at Van der Beek and I thought that was a fantastic performance yesterday in midfield fantastic See, what he does let Doesn't me just give interrupt let me interrupt yeah. on that point because I put in my this is interesting I'm glad that you brought this up I do obviously I do my write up for the game so it's about half an hour after the game and I put it on the website and I was looking at Van der Beek's performance and I gave him 6 out of 10 I don't really like doing the ratings but it's 6 out of 10 and I thought well I don't know if I am being harsh but I thought I'm looking at that game and if it finishes 2-2 which it could have done and he didn't have any you know he wasn't involved in the winner did he do enough to influence the game positively and then I posted that and that's the most common response I've had is that no, Van der Beek played really well so tell me what I didn't see tell me from your perspective why he played so well and I'm not disagreeing by the way I'm, I'm thinking I probably got this well wrong and I'm, I'm glad that if, if I did um, so. I thought he was definitely United's best player in that first half never gave the ball away was always looking to get the ball from somebody in tight areas he was getting it and he was trying to open the play up he was trying to join him with the players up front he was trying to link with them the problem is they couldn't link link back with him couldn't get the ball back to him they weren't making any runs they they never stretched to play the front three at all to open up the midfield for Manchester United to play he was trying to get in in and around them to play little balls around the corner with them or into their feet around the box and they weren't even facing up they was more concerned about just facing and trying to turn Mm. Um, and then the second half the moment it all changed when Cavani comes on Cavani stretches the game all of a sudden the two centre halves panic because all of a sudden they've got to turn and run back towards their own goal which even the quickest of centre halves don't enjoy doing no no one enjoys running towards their own goal for some reason you seems to make you think you're treading water because it's, you just don't want to be doing it it makes you more tired and then all of a sudden they sit back a little bit deeper and then all of a sudden how many times did you see Fernandes get on the ball and try and knock balls through into yeah. people? He never done that in the first half because those those um, what they had up front before wasn't moving. They didn't move. Rashford and Green would never move. They just stood there. They just stood there, just looking. But all of a sudden, Marcus Rashford realised, plummet. He, he was. He had to. All of a sudden, he's seen Cavani leading by example. Marcus Rashford then decided. I'm going to run without the ball. And then Van der Beek then was, he, was, was, was joining in. And what he does, he doesn't make big runs, lung-busting runs like um, um, Fernandes does. He makes runs by linking up, linking up as he passes it. He then moves on 10 yards and he joins in off the, off the second pass, the third man run to join in. And that's how he gets into the box. That's how he does it. It's very, very... People say, oh, it's easy, but it's intelligent. You have to know when to do it. And then what happens, what he does as well, is uh, 
if it doesn't work out, if he loses the ball, which is very, very rare, he runs back and he tries to make a challenge. He, he buzzes around. Very rarely does he give away fouls because he doesn't try and tackle. He just blocks spaces and he tries to get the player's head down. So when they try to make their pass, they're not in the comfort zone and can see it all going on around them. How many times does Marcus Rashford track back when he loses the ball? Very, very rare. And I'm going to say this, but I think, I think he has to put down, put down a lot of what he's um, doing off the pitch and may, maybe worry about more that's actually put him in a position he is now, which is football. Yeah. It's like suddenly someone who become an un, who decided that wearing underpants in a poster was more important than actually doing, doing a job that actually got him on that poster. Yeah, uh, but although you would say, I mean, obviously Rashford, Rashford's doing something more worthy than wearing underpants. No, no, I said that. That was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. No, one, no, but no. I, but I, would, I don't want to keep reading about, about all these people who want to say on his behalf and about feeding kids and everything. Fantastic. But for, in my opinion... He should be more concentrating on the most important thing is his job. And his job is being a professional footballer. Mm. And, he's, and he's not doing that. He's, he's been very, very poor for quite a while. And the only thing that's in his saving grace, his saving grace is, is the fact of United haven't got... If you look, you look at the, where, the way they play, they need people to fill those areas. There's no one in there who's competing with him to take his spot. Martial and, Green, Mar, Mar, Martial and Greenwood are not really... If there's two places, those two are not putting him under pr- enough pressure for him to be left out because yeah. Cavani's already got one spot guaranteed. And that is a fight on. It all depends on the formation. Is it going to be a three or is it going to be a two? But, you know, he, he, needs to, he needs to think about that. And I'm sure other people are thinking it, but they won't come out and say it. And I think Oli has to, has to put him... Because I, I know somebody who would do... And you'd have a choice. Make up your mind. Go and, go and do that or you come and play football. When you play football, you're playing football and it isn't about you. It's your teammates because he's not doing enough for his teammates. Yeah. I, we should qualify what you're saying there because I, I don't think anybody's saying that, um, first of all, what he's doing isn't incredible or that he shouldn't be doing it. it it's, we're talking about the football context of, obviously, at this moment in time, there's a lot of... Uh, political pressure that's put on him and, and fair play you know he's, he's doing a great thing but you can't at the same time he's not playing well um, very he's not playing very well there, there are flashes but yes it could be said that the sort of extracurricular um, pressures that are put on him and they are great pressures you know he's, he's uh, assumed this great responsibility that you can't say that it doesn't have an impact. Um, I'm not saying how tangible that is. If you say, "Oh, it's definitely manifested in in his form or anything," but yeah, I think somewhere along the line there will be some kind of conversation to say, "Come on, we you do need to sort of refocus on on your football." And and let's be fair, that's because in the football context, United do need him. And out of those talent, talented attackers, he's probably got a lot of talent um, in the way that you would say that he's probably the most gifted of all three of them at this moment in time he just needs to sort of um, start showing that again and there are flashes um, and I'm not I'm certainly wouldn't say to to not do what he's doing I just think that in the footballing context there needs to be more from him and everyone can see that as well Um, West Ham next for for United in the league Paul um, after playing against Paris 
and we've said this to about a few teams and it sort of goes either way it's either they had a really strong start to the season and then they fell away or they had a poor start to the season and then they've come back into it and that was the case with West Ham you know poor start to the season but some results that make you sit up and take notice 4-0 against Wolves 3-0 at Leicester that great comeback against Spurs um, they drew with City they won at Sheffield United um, in a way because we're playing away do you think that makes them the the perfect opponent for United? E- even taking into account how well they've played, um, I wouldn't say they're perfect. Um, I think I've been there a couple of times. They've made it difficult for United in recent in recent games at London Stadium. It hasn't been great in certain ways. West Ham have shown a lot of consistency. Um, I mean, it's ironic everything's falling into place with West Ham since um, Stuart Pearce went back there. He's, their results, I think they might have only lost one game since he's been back. But, but their performances has completely have been incredible. The consistency, the, they're more hard-working. It's like a David Moyes has brought an Everton side to London. Yeah. That's what he's gone and done. And they've got, they've got a few individuals. They're winning games and getting results without Antonio playing as well, which is, which is good for West Ham as well. Because, because before... Given everything, if he wasn't in that front line, they didn't have anything there. But the players all working for each other. They've gone to a three at the back. It's a consistent three. David Moyes doesn't like making many changes. There's still personnel in that side which people question, but David Moyes seems to like. And he's going down this road, and it's a big game for David Moyes, so it makes it even more that those players are going to be G'd up for it. So, um, I mean, I'm hoping that I'm actually going to actually going to be in the stadium for this one rather than in a studio but um, I've been there been there for the last couple when they've played there so I'm looking forward to it and I'm sure West, ha- West Ham are looking forward to it I think, I, think they're only, I think they'll be allowed to have 2,000 fans in there not that it'd make much difference in that stadium a bit like Old Trafford really if, if they was allowed it they, um, to have anything there'd be a complete waste of time as such but do you think it's that, a, Paul, it's a tough mean, go do you, you know the it's a strong comment that you made there, like a complete waste of time. Do you not think that it'll make any difference, like something like tangible to see, like the, you know, <laughs> you'd probably be able to hear individual voices <laughs> shouting at you. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, you don't think it'll make any difference at all just for that small number to be in? It'll make a massive difference to those people when they walk in the stadium to watch Manchester United play. That's where the big bit of it, for them, yeah, it'll be yeah. fantastic. For the players, it won't make that much difference at all because, like you just said, if someone's going to have something, there's going to be, neg- there's going to be negative comments coming to them yeah. and they'll be able to hear them outright. Some won't give them monkeys. Some, it might just affect them and they might react because they can actually see that person know exactly who that individual is. <laughs> yeah, I was so going to say, my might stop them shouting. Like, yeah, like, well, you know what I'm saying? It's like going to a Sunday morning game when people, you know, you know, you know that person. So they'll be able to see that person because cause they'll all be sitting a million miles apart, even though they might have all walked in together, they'll be sitting a million miles apart so you know exactly who that individual is when it, when it comes out. So... Great for the fans, for those people who can get in. It's, it's not going to make a lot of difference in a stadium like London Stadium or Old Trafford. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what just how it sort of looks. Do you know what I mean? And how, yeah. how it comes across. But yeah. you, you, you said with this probably 
got to be about 100 people in the grounds as it is. Do you know what I mean? You can sort of hear noises. So it's like a minor amplification of that, isn't it, really? It's not, and I'm not doing any disrespect to, to um, teams who get averages. I mean, the, the lowest Premier League attendance is something like 3,000, you know, Wimbledon against Everton in the early 90s. Mm. So that was the, the lowest thing. So I'm not dis regarding it completely as a crowd I'm just saying well kind of like what you are saying really that it's going to be interesting is what, what I'm really getting at is to see um, how it's going to um, so do, do you fancy United's chances there or is it one of those with the, the league being as it is you don't want to sort of make a call on it no, 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 I'm going to go with the latter on that one to be perfectly honest I'm really, I, really, I really have to because at the moment it's the way the league is I can you know no one at the moment in time everyone's thinking Tottenham's going to win it you would never you would never believe that but when you see Tottenham play like they did yesterday then you can say to yourself yeah it could be it could be a negative season just by the manner in which Tottenham are trying to go trying to do it at this moment in time but it's still open that's what I said before about we not we in a moment you we could be surprised by where United finish in the league that's why team selection is so important really really important everyone keeps talking about you know the amount of games they're playing and yeah but we have to remember as well is that these players have trained hard how many how many excuse, how much excuses you're going to give them for playing games of football and, how and many, every other team's in the same boat as well every, everyone so you're going to go at it and you if your best player tells you i ready i want to go out and play you've got to go and play them as far as I'm concerned, oh, but it's about this and that. But it's amazing they've got all these different. Mostly got two people doing doing two two three people doing one job off the pitch at this moment in time. You know, I'm Norman Davis. You know, when you looked at we had Norman Davis, a kit manager. We had a physio, Jim. We had we had Jim. Then and then straight away, the doctor used to sit up in the stand, and there was a coach, and there was a manager. Now they've they've got how many? They've got what? 16, 20, 25 backroom staff now. I'm going to say minimum, every team carries 15 backroom staff. I'll sit, in, I'll sit in press boxes. I'll see every club turns up at grounds. They've got three, four people on computers. Mm. You know, football, and all of a sudden, why now that they can't do anything? It's because the system now says that they can't. They get blood tests to find out if they're tired. <laughs> you know? Oh, sorry, the blood test says you're tired, but I'm not tired. I want to train. Well, you can't train because your blood says you're tired. Mm. So where's your, where's your brain and where's your heart? Because it's your heart that keeps you going. You don't run marathons. You, you, people who run marathons, they run because they've got something in them that says they want to push themselves. They want to keep going. Being the fittest doesn't make you the best, the best um, marathon runner. What makes you the best marathon runner is because you're the person who wants it more than that person next to you. That's why they never, they never train and do a full 26 miles. They do their full 26 miles when they run it, never before, because that next bit is all about what's in your head and what's in your heart. Yeah. And, and so it makes a big difference in everything, and that's why I believe the team that wins the league this season, this Ghost League, will be a team like that, will be a team that goes with that. Without a shadow, that's, that's the only Liverpool. If we look at Liverpool, they look the most, the best complete side at this moment in time. Yeah. Even with their injuries out, I just see the way they move the ball and what they're doing. They are, you know, as much as I'm trying to think, trying to think of someone else. They're, they're the ones who can, you can see it, what, what they're trying to do. And, and they've still got their missing key players as well. It's definitely there. But 
it's very, very possible this league is the winners of this league. It's going to be it's going to be someone different to who's won it already. It could it could happen. It could seriously happen as as we know. And United could go and could be that team, the unexpected, and everyone's saying take four or five years. It could be this season if they get if Ollie, you know, actually puts sentiment aside and gets his best players out there to win those games. Yeah, it's going to need more second half United and not. Um, as much first half United uh, yeah, from yeah, yesterday um, correct absolutely correct and, and we'll see which one turns up this week um, going to be an interesting week in United season uh, that's for sure and we'll be back next week to talk about it that's um, it for this episode remember TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts if you enjoyed the show give us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts that's it take care and we will be back next week Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.